Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of 211's Baseball Talk. Nice voice crack there. Today on the menu, we have who is Guillermo Martinez, the Blue Jays' new hitting coach, dissecting the Jays-Astros trade, dissecting the Mariners-Yankees trade. Baltimore is still managerless. What's going on? Possible landing spots for JT Romuto. Uh, after Alendis Diaz, who's going to be next to go for the Jays? Uh, Pete Walker and Louis Rivera are going to stay next year. And the Jays 40-man roster crunch, plus a little Hall of Fame, and the latest offseason rumblings. So it's not just me today. I'm here with my father, Chris. Chris, how's it going, Nick? It's 4 o'clock in the a.m., and let's get this romance started with Kenny G's latest... Oh, sorry, wrong podcast. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, that's great. Great. Uh, it's great to hear you, Dylan. It's, it's like I haven't seen you in, you like, too. five seconds. I know. I know. It's been a rough five seconds. It has. It's been very long, drawn out. I know. Anyway. Just like, just like this intro. Yeah, yeah. Way too long. Uh, let's begin with Guillermo Martinez. If you were unaware, last week he was named the Blue Jays' new hitting coach. As actually, you were unaware earlier today. Um, uh, I was who aware. Is, who is Guillermo Martinez? Martinez joined the Blue Jays in 2012 as a hitting coach in the minor league system. He left in 2013 to become a hitting coach with the Cubs in High Myrtle Beach. Martinez rejoined the Jays as a minor league hitting coordinator last year. And at the young age of 34 is the Blue Jays' new major league hitting coach. Thoughts on the hire? This is one I'm not sure how to take because I, I don't know that the experience at the major league level is there for Guillermo Martinez. And I love the manager hire. I love the bench coach hire. I love that they're keeping – I know we talk about that later, but that they're keeping a couple of the other coaches. But uh, the Guillermo Martinez, I'm a little perplexed at this one. There's a lot of candidates out there. Not sure. Uh, I hope this is the right selection, but just not not sure of it on my side. Well, I mean, he only played – I think he, I think I read two years in pro ball, then played two years in independent league, and then the Jays hired him as a minor league hitting coach. So, I mean, Seems he like that will work out well. Oh yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, but I mean, he he does have the uh, the Spanish side to it. He can speak Spanish, right? And I'm sure that's certainly something they were looking for. Um, and I know he's young, but I mean, he's got to be somewhat good for the Jays to trust him in the big leagues. Maybe he's got about as much major league experience as I do, so that's why I'm a little <laughs> concerned. But. You know what? I mean, maybe he's the right voice. Maybe somebody has seen him do something or say something to the kids in the minor leagues that has really affected them. And the reality is that there's a, probably a chance that he's worked with a lot of these kids that are coming up to the year to uh, the big leagues this year. So, you know what? Maybe there's some opportunity there. I just uh, I'm kind of in wait and see mode with Guillermo Martinez. Well, I mean, you look at you look at his age, which we which I mentioned uh, at the beginning. He's 34, right? And, it's a really young. He's younger than me. In the big leagues, but I mean, you <laughs> look at the recent. You. The you look at the recent wave of coaches in the big leagues that have had success, and they're all very young, right? And I think the Jays wanted to continue with that trend. Obviously, Montoyo is not the forty-year-old that I think he got hired, but Guillermo Martinez is young, and I mean, the coaching staff is relatively. No, actually, I take that back. But I mean. <laughs> If 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 Guillermo Martinez is going to be like any of the other coaches in the big leagues, he's going to be successful because he's yucky, because he's fresh off of his playing days, pretty much. Yeah, I'll go with that. I, again, wait and see mode for me. I'm not sure this is really the smartest hire, but at the same time, you know, they, they obviously know more than I do, so 
and they've got the analytics to back it up, I'm sure. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm not sure that the hitting coach really – if you're a baseball player and you've made it to the major leagues, you know how to hit. That's basically the yeah. bottom line. So I'm not sure that the hitting coach really impacts the roster like you might think it does. At the same time, will he have a huge effect on, on major league hitters? Not 100% sure of that either. So you never know. You never know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, moving on now, uh, on Saturday morning, the Blue Jays traded infielder Alemis Diaz to the Houston Astros for young right-hander Trent Thornton. Uh, I was a little su- – actually, I wasn't surprised. I knew Diaz was going to go. I was surprised with the guy they got back for him. I mean, Diaz finished the, finished the year strong. I would have expected someone maybe a little, a little better. Thornton, for those of you who were unaware, uh, had a 4-2-4 ERA last season in 124 innings in the minors, but he was extremely good in the Arizona Fall League this year. He has a nasty curveball, and his fastball topped out at 96 this uh, Fall League. I mean, for the Astros, I can see why they acquired him to to try and add some depth that they were losing in Marwin Gonzalez, which who's probably going to go. Unless he stays, then you got even more depth. Um, but for the Jays, it's just more pitching. That's what they needed, right? Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, they're, they're dealing from infield depth that's deeper than the Marianas Trench. There you go, Dylan. That is your, that is your educational moment on the 211th Baseball Podcast. Uh, but it is true. That's the deepest part of the ocean. That's pretty much what we've got is the deepest, deepest infield depth that maybe any major league team has. Lots of opportunity to deal from it. They dealt Ledmus Diaz to the Houston Astros for it, and we got some pitching depth that's desperately needed. I don't mind the move. I'm not sure he's the greatest pitcher, but what were you really going to get from Ledmus Diaz anyway? So, you know what? There's pitching mm-hmm. depth. He got added to the 40-man. We'll see how he goes. Um, and, yeah, he, so the Jays needed more relievers, obviously, and Thornton can be your long-relief guy that you kind of wanted Joe Biagini to be a couple of years ago, right? Thornton, he threw 124 innings, which means he was a starter in the minors, right? But I don't think that he's going to turn out to be a starter in the big leagues or an effective starter in the big leagues. So I think if you need a long reliever, he's your guy. If you need a guy, if you want to skip a start from someone, then he's the guy that will take his place, right? And I think that's what his role is going to be when he gets to the big leagues. I don't think he's going to be your, uh, one, of your one of your starters, along with a Baraki, Pannone, Rifoli, but... Uh, and depth, Jason, of course. He's, he's depth. Impressed. He's depth, and, and it's he's, gonna he's be kind of, sure. it's gonna be a really interesting conversation when we get into the forty men uh, selections and, and protecting people from the Rule Five draft because he's depth, I say. But then I see them make moves like that, and we won't get into that yet. We'll we'll uh, we'll save that for later. Yeah, we'll say, we'll save that for later. But I've got. But some I mean, overall, I think it's pretty good. About that one. Oh, so do I. I mean, we talked a little bit, uh, or I did. Uh, were you on the first? No, you weren't on the first episode. In the first episode, we talked, or I talked a little bit about the recent acquisitions and the minor league system and who should be on the 40-man, who shouldn't be on the 40-man. I think two weeks ago, we also talked about it, and I am not thrilled with the selection. But, I mean, overall, this is a pretty good trade, I think. Yes, I agree. Um, Moving on to the biggest trade of the past week, and it seems that every week the Mariners have been handing us something interesting to talk about. First, it was the possible rebuild, then it was the Malik Smith trade, and now... It's the uh, James Paxton Big trade. Maple. So Paxton, Paxton, the big uh, Big Maple goes to the Big Apple. Oh, for oh three well prospects. played, Dylan Baker. Your father is proud. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Justice Sheffield, I wrote down that he's a right-handed pitcher. He's a lefty. 
Um, so Justice Sheffield was acquired. Dom Thompson Williams, he's an outfielder, and Eric Sounds Swanson like was a <laughs> was acquired in the trade. Um, the Mariners have been quite active this offseason, but my question to you is, who won the deal? Uh, good question, because Paxton, while he has huge potential for the Yankees, has huge DL stints to go along with him. So it's going to be really yeah. interesting to see if he can remain healthy. Now, if he does, this is a steal. But if, well, actually, maybe not, because you know what? It was there. I mean, I, I actually, I, I think it is a steal because we saw how he performed at the beginning of the year. He was one of the top pitchers in baseball, and then he got hurt, and then it all went south. Yep, that's true. But, uh, but he also did come back, with, or the Mariners got back the Yankees' top prospect, right? So, you know, it's not. Yeah. Uh, now, prospects are cool, parades are cooler. That's what Casey Stern of MLB Network Radio says. And the reality is the Yankees are just kind of laughing because they've got the guy that might get them the parade as long as he stays healthy and the prospect goes to Seattle and you don't know with prospects. You could be, they're just that they're prospects. They don't necessarily mean that they're going to be super studs at the major league level. So it's going to be hard. It's going to take time to see who wins this trade. Obviously I think initially out of the gate, the Yankees wouldn't win this trade, but, uh, but I, I think this is one of those baseball trades where maybe both win in the end. Yeah, no, I would agree with that because Sheffield obviously has so much potential. He immediately became the top prospect in the Mariners system, and I believe that he was the top prospect in the Yankees system once Gleyber Torres got to the bigs. But um, I think the Yankees right away, looking at it right now, I'd agree with you. I think they won the trade getting a, a veteran in James Paxson who has had success in the big leagues before. I think he had a 3.76 or 3.670 ERA this year. So... Right now, Yankees won the trade, and it's going to be interesting to see how other AL East teams fare against them. Obviously, the Red Sox have a starting rotation, are a starting starting rotation juggernaut, and the Yankees are trying to build up to be uh, a juggernaut like them with Tanaka and Severino, and now um, Paxton. But I mean, Sheffield could have been your guy too, and I think Sheffield has a pretty high throws for pretty high velocity, if I'm not mistaken. So it'll be interesting to see who wins this trade. Um, but I mean, I guess we won't know for maybe even a couple of years once Sheffield finally emerges as a good big league. Yeah, I think you'll see the Yankees side of it this year. You'll see whether this really impacts their roster or not. They got CC coming back as well, which is a little bit of a concern. If you ask me, you've got, well, he's retiring after this year, but, but you know, this is the year. I mean, Brian Cashman's clearly making a move here where he says, I want to beat the Red Sox next year. And if that's the case, you know, this is kind of an interesting move because you've got CC Sabathia, who's always on the DL himself, although last year he was less on the DL. And then you've got Paxton, who's also known for being on the DL. It's kind of interesting that they would skip over a Hap, uh, who rarely goes on the DL and, and go to Paxton. But, you know, it, it is a deal you got to make if somebody's going to make it with you. And, uh, and so we'll see. We'll see. Yep, it will be interesting. Moving on to our next topic, we will discuss the uh, Baltimore managerial situation. So the <laughs> Orioles, Orioles. today. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, they're a wonderful <laughs> organization. Today, they're absolutely oh, wonderful. Yes, of no, course. they're not. Of course. As of today, which is November 21st, in case you were unaware of the day that we are recording this, the Orioles still have no manager. Um, so what's going on? I can understand the fact that they want the new GM to have a say in things, but they're the only team in the MLB that has no manager, and it's November 21st, as mentioned. As mentioned, 
and there aren't really any headlines on who is a uh, who's a uh, who's a front runner for this job. So, what's going on in Baltimore? Well, Mikey E, because I can't pronounce his last name properly. I heard, I heard it's Elias. Elias. Okay, so we're gonna say Mike Elias is in place, but he's only been in place for like five days, Dylan. You got to give this guy some time. When you start, well, I understand that, but you have a president of the organization, don't you? And you have some, you have guys that can hire a the manager. The last thing you want is Peter Angelos picking your manager. Trust me, there's no way you want the president and owners and anybody involved in picking the Orioles' manager. They actually did make the right move here by not picking a manager first, by going for the GM first, and giving Elias his opportunity to pick his guy, which I think is going to be really, really important to the Orioles' success in the future. Listen, the Orioles have no prospects, probably one of the worst systems in baseball. There's nothing coming. This manager's in for a huge challenge. And even if they deal off of the surplus on their roster, there really isn't even surplus on their roster. That's the brutal exactly. thing. Exactly. I was, I was right? about to so, bring that up, right? Like, you have you have a guy that hit 53 home runs a couple of years ago in Chris Davis, but he hit a record low 164 for the club. You know what I do if I'm Mike Elias? I, I go and I get free agents, middle of the road, free agents. I load my team up with them in planning to go and trade them at the deadline. That is the only way you're going to get prospect capital because you don't have anybody on your roster right now that I would want as a GM from another team. So I'm not giving you my top prospects for anybody that's on your roster right now. Then you don't have prospects in the system to deal either to get better prospects in a package. So you're really messed right now. And so what I would do is I would go out for the Orioles. This is not uh, this is not on topic, obviously, because we're talking about the manager search. But uh, <laughs> but we are talking also about, uh, about the Orioles, and the Orioles have to go out and just sign a bunch of middle of the road free agents, and then look to trade them at the deadline to get some capital back. But when it comes back to the manager, I think it's great that Mike gets his opportunity to to search for his own guy, probably fill out the coaching staff the same way. And uh, but boy, this manager's in for a challenge. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's going to be a couple of years, maybe, I think maybe even five years that they're going to be struggling because they just have no one at all. And I, I get they're going to get the first overall pick next year. But what is one guy? It's not the NHL or the NBA where one guy can change your organization. Not in a year. It's the MLB. Yeah. Not in a year, exactly. With, with the Oilers, I mean, in, in the NHL, you saw them draft Connor McDavid first overall. Next year, they, they, a year after, they went to the playoffs. Obviously, McDavid got hurt his first year, so they didn't go. But the year after that, they went directly to the playoffs. I mean, in other sports, you can impact your team as the first overall draft pick that year or a year after. But in the in the MLB, you got to go through a lot of minor league levels, and it can't just be one guy carrying an entire team to success. I agree. The producer uh, is giving me the hairy eyeballs, uh, also because she's a dog, so she has hairy eyeballs. But moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to our next topic, uh, JT Romuto, uh-huh. the current Marlins catcher. I don't expect that he will be the Marlins catcher. It wasn't even that funny. Like, come, come on. on, it was hilarious. No, it wasn't. It was hilarified. The current, the current Marlins catcher, JT Romuto, is debatably, debatably, the best catcher in the game right now, and he wants to get out of Miami. Understandably so. I mean, they're New Jerseys, by the way. They're hideous. They're disgusting. Tell me how you really feel, Dylan. (laughs) But, I mean, Real Muto has something you don't see in catches very often in speed. He's got a bat. He's got great defensive numbers. He wants out of Miami. And there are several teams needing a catcher right now. Um, 
so here are a few of the possible landing spots for JT Romuto. The first one is Houston. The Strohs need a catcher with Brian McCann and Martin Maldonado hitting free agency, so a good spot would be the Strohs. I mean, they have the prospects to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT Romuto is going to go somewhere. There's no question about that. Uh, well, thanks. No, 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 but I mean, that's true. I, I, you, know, like, you never know with the Marlins because they – <laughs> you don't know who they're going to send out and who they're going to keep. I, I thought Rio Muto would go last year. Uh, he didn't, obviously, still a Marlin. Um, and so I don't know where he's going. I, I don't. There's a lot of opportunities for catchers in the league. Uh, it kind of disappoints me as a Jays fan. I was hoping there wouldn't be the depth that, that like, a JT Rio Muto out there so that we yeah. can trade Russell Martin. But, um, but and I'd like, hey, listen, I love Russell Martin, but you know, opportunity there to maybe get some prospect capital or something. And so, uh, you know, but with Real Muto out there, he's not going anywhere until JT does. So, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I think he's going. But do you see him going to the Astros at all? Like, do you see them making a move to try Possibly. and get him? But I also see this being a, a GM ninja Alex Anthopoulos type move too. So, And that's what we're about to get into. The Braves need a catcher. Kurt Suzuki just signed with the Nationals. Uh, and Tyler Flowers is is a free agent right now. So Ramuto would be a great fit. Um, whether they have the prospects, I'm not sure. I didn't really look into it much. But I think a great fit for, for Ramuto would be Atlanta. I mean, he knows the NL East well. Um, so who's to say Atlanta's not in on this? Well, they're in on everything because it's Alex Anthopoulos. The, Alex Anthopoulos <laughs> will acquire who he needs to, even if it doesn't fit quite right. Look at Troy Tulowitzki. Look at some of his acquisitions. Oh, don't even remind <laughs> me of Tulowitzki. Well, you know what? I mean, but but the the opportunity was there, and he pounced on it, right? So, and mm-hmm. defensively, Tulowitzki was a heck of an upgrade over Jose Reyes. So, you know, it it made sense at the time. It doesn't make sense now. No question about that. He's a he's a albatross of a contract, but it's the kind of move that Anthopoulos oh, makes, right? So, it, it would not surprise me to see him go to Atlanta. Yeah, I think that those two teams are the two most likely landing spots for Real Muto because I think they're willing to go get him, and they need him. Yep. Um, next topic now. Uh, Alemis Diaz, as mentioned, was traded to the Houston Astros. So after Diaz, who's next? Who's going to go? Who are they going to get rid of? There's Tulo, <laughs> Martin Stroman, <laughs> Sanchez. He's not going anywhere, my friend. To, well, I mean, nobody's taking Tulo's twenty million dollars a year as a bench player. That's just not going to happen. But you got to get rid of him somehow. You're not going to hold on to him through twenty. You're going to have to, Diesel. It's the way it goes. Who's going to take that contract? Even if you eat half of the contract, the guy's on the DL his entire life. He's not going to be somebody that anybody's going to pick up for anything. And the hilarious thing is when he gets out in front of the camera and says, I'm going to be the starting shortstop next year. So there, good luck, buddy. Because I re- He's a clubhouse cancer is what oh, he is. I don't too. know about like, that. Honestly. I think he's, he's very influential on the, on the kids. Did you not hear? Did you not, did you not hear? No, I didn't hear. What he said? He, you didn't hear what he said in August when he went to, when he got to, when he went to the Rogers Center and said, oh, I'm going to be a short, starting shortstop next year. If there's someone else better than me, I'm just going to leave. Tell me, tell me honestly, that that is not something a clubhouse nightmare. But Dylan, if you're if you're making twenty million a year, you're gonna have to say that. You know that's the thing. Like 
he he said it, and I I remember him saying it. But at the same time, he knows he's being paid twenty million dollars a year to literally do nothing. So with that said, he's not going to say anything different. I'm not getting in front of the camera if I'm making twenty million dollars a year to say I'm just going to sit on the bench all year next year. Okay, hi everyone. No, not going to be that. So I I kind of understand what he said. Well, you don't you okay? I don't I don't I don't care that you're not going to say that. I'm going to sit on the bench next year. Obviously, you're not going to say that. Say something else. Don't say that if there's someone better than you, you're going to pack your bags and leave. That is, Those were his exact words. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a little crybaby-ish. You're right. But at the same time, you know, he's also saying, hey, I believe in myself, right? And and to a certain extent... What reason does he have to do that? Well, that's not nice. I, you know... Well, have you seen his stats... <laughs> Listen, he believes in himself, and that's a good thing. And that's and and that is okay by me. And as a fan, I just don't believe that there's opportunity for him on this roster anymore. The team wants to go younger. It's not that I don't think he can't play shortstop if his heels are healthy. I mean, he did have surgery on both feet. That's a challenge. But if his heels are healthy, uh, you know, maybe he can be good somewhere. But he's going to have to prove that first. Nobody's picking up that contract until he does. So that's the the Jays are stuck, and the Jays are going to have to figure out a place for Troy Tulowitzki. You mentioned uh, Russell Martin's name in the JT Realmuto talks. Uh, if they can get rid of him, is it certain they will? Yep. I believe so. I, I think uh, you're not getting rid of his whole twenty million either, but you're going to eat ten million of it probably, and you probably get back mm-hmm. a middle of the road prospect at best, just to get rid of the rest of that contract. But I think that the he's he's it's, it's, listen. Russell Martin did some great things for the Toronto Blue Jays, especially defensively, okay. especially during the latest yeah, that. and just during the latest uh, you know successful run the Jays had. He was great. It's time. It's time to move on, just like Jose Bautista, just like Josh Donaldson. It's time to embrace the future. It's time to embrace the next mm-hmm. generation coming up. Russell Martin is not a part of that, and Danny Jansen is here. So what, what are you going to do? He's, he's blocking people, and you're going to have to move him. Uh, Marcus Stroman is a guy whose name has actually been thrown around a lot this offseason. The Stroh Show, yes. Do you see the Jays moving him? Uh... I th- and don't I don't use don't use any personal bias just because you're blocked on Twitter by him. <laughs> How do you know that? Uh, may or may not have uh, been a little upset during the playoffs of one year, but uh, no, it wasn't even the playoffs. I think it was last year. Just him, his whining about uh, about certain things that he probably doesn't need to whine about because he's a professional athlete and he's setting an example for kids. So I may have said one or two things about that and got blocked, but. Um, but that said, no personal bias. I do think if the right opportunity comes, uh, they will look to trade Marcus Stroman. The question is going to be, what does that opportunity look like? And how much do you really value him? I mean, he took a little bit of a step back last year. It's not ideal. Do you? Do I value him? Well, I do you No, do you do you do deals? Deal him at the deadline. Then I wait to the watch deadline. him. If I'm let the GM, I wait. Build to, up yes, his stock. Absolutely, because you know, w- there's a chance the Jays might be better than people thought this year. But the reality, <laughs> but the reality is, no. no. Well, I mean, with with people coming up like Guerrero Jr., who MLB, you know, you know for a fact that Atkins is only going to call up Guerrero, maybe a Bichette. He's going to force them to go through AAA. 
and all his garbage. But I think he's not going to call up Guerrero. To but I think with with Guerrero being already listed as eighteen on MLB's top players list, and he's not even in the big leagues. It's it's an impact player that could make a huge impact that makes the team better than we thought. That said, they're not making the playoffs. So so I think you might hang on to Stroman, see how he does in the first half. Hopefully he's completely healthy and he gets all the way to the trade deadline, which is so important because that did not happen with Donaldson this year. And if he's better than he was last year and an impact player, you deal, deal, deal him at the deadline. And that's that's what I would do. I would kind of try, unless I get blown away at, at the winter meetings, I'm keeping him, at least till the deadline. Um, Aaron Sanchez? Do you think they deal him, or do you think no, they hold on to him? not a chance. I, I think he got he, – he hasn't been back for more than a few weeks uh, in any of the last two seasons. So, so no, you don't deal him this year. Okay. So again, deadline uh, maybe on. if he's healthy. But. Okay. So our next topic is the fact that Pete Walker, the Blue Jays' pitching coach, and Louis Rivera, the Blue Jays' third base slash infielding coach, will be staying for the 2019 season. They announced that at the same time that they announced Guillermo Martinez – as the club's new hitting coach. What are you laughing about? I'm not laughing. I was coughing. But there's no cough button, Dylan. You didn't provide me the right equipment. I apologize. Yeah, you should. Um, but Walker and 12. Rivera will <laughs> will stay with the club. This did not come as a surprise to me at all. I don't know if it did come to you. We mentioned in the managerial special that, um, that the Blue Jays were probably going to keep Rivera and it was if if he wanted to they were going to keep Walker for sure. What's in the manager's special? Um, Salad, soup, is, yeah. Huh? <laughs> you don't have enough restaurant experience to understand that one. Never mind. Keep going. Anyway, um, so Rivera and Walker will be staying. Does not surprise me with Rivera the fact that he speaks Spanish. Got some young uh, Dominican infielders coming up. Those two decisions do not surprise me at all. Um, the Blue Jays had to add quite a few players to their 40-man roster to protect them for the Rule 5 draft coming up very soon. But you and I have some interesting feelings about this, and I will let you take the lead on this one. No, sir. I don't like it. That's how I'm going to call it. <laughs> and uh, and the, the reason is uh, not necessarily who we added to the 40-man roster. I think the Jays uh, added some good players to the roster. I just... I can't believe the roster doesn't include a Jordan Romano and uh, Max Pentecost. I get it. Max Pentecost has done nothing in the minor leagues. However, he was a top prospect. How do you not include a forest wall either? And a forest wall as well. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> listen to the name. He's like a wall <laughs> of forests. I mean, it's perfect. But he, he, but on top of that, he really helped the Fisher Cats all the way to their, their through their playoff run. So, oh yeah, and and to see him not on the roster and to see him about to get poached because I'm going to tell you right now, I'll be shocked if we don't lose at least two of those three players in the Rule Five draft. Oh, for sure. When we normally I think Pentecost lose no is one. gone because everyone needs catchers. Yeah. yeah. The Jays haven't lost a player since I think it said 2013. And now we're going to – I think there's a real shot that all three go. And that's a scary thought. I think thought. so too. That's a scary thought. I'm not – I think Forrest Wall, I've expressed how strongly I feel about keeping Forrest Wall. I did that in our August episodes when they first acquired him. I think Forrest Wall is a great player. I think Jordan Romano is a great player. I think Pentecost is going to be plucked because he's a catcher and everyone wants catching depth. 
But I mean, I would not be shocked, as you mentioned, if all three of them go. Yep, I agree. And and I'm not sure you want these three to be the ones that go. I mean, uh, the ones they selected are good players, but I just and I know and I I, I saw Shai Davidi's article and I agree uh, to a certain extent with it that, that this is it's very clearly starting depth for the season that they've kept. Um, but that said, I, I just don't know that protecting all of these players was really um, the right move. I think you probably wouldn't have lost half of them anyway if you left them unprotected. So, well, Jacob will guess pack out a five thirty four ERA. And again, the name like how am I going to pronounce that all season? <laughs> I, what, I don't even remember. But I mean, how do you not how do you not take a Jordan Romano? How do you not bring? a Jordan Romano onto your 40-man roster. You want pitching, he's your guy. The guy's basically big league ready. Yeah, I agree. I, I, How do listen, you not, I'm not arguing that I, at all. He I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm angry at Atkins and Shapiro. I don't know if Shapiro had anything to do with it. I'm angry at Atkins because I do believe that Jordan Romano and Forrest Wall at least would have been better than taking those five pitchers. I think Davidi hits the nail on the head. It's starting depth they didn't want to lose for next season, but – at the same time, uh, I just don't know. You're not I mean, going to. That's you're not very gonna, short-sighted. That's real. You're not going to lose a Jacob Guest pack in the Rule Five draft. Well, I'm sorry, you're not. Thing. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I think that three, and that's what I just said a few minutes ago. I think at least three of the people they added to the forty-man roster might have been fine unprotected, whereas these Look, three like, are not. I like the Hector Perez addition to the forty-man. I think that he's he's a, he's got tremendous upside. That's one of the guys I would have added myself. Um, but I mean, come on, Trent Thornton, I guess you would, you could add him. He showed some upside in the Arizona fall league mm-hmm. and you didn't want to lose him right after you traded for him. Um, but still, well, guess back, he's not going to get picked up if you leave him out. But now you have three guys that people would want. And that you would want in your system, so why would they not be picked up? Well, Guest Pack might go. I mean, you know what? He's great for a promotional day at the ballpark. Well, Guest Pack Backpack Day would be <laughs> amazing, right? But other than that, I don't know why you would take him. You're exactly right. I just don't know. A great player, but I just don't know why in the Rule 5 draft you would take him, especially with the risk that you might lose him if you don't let him make the Major League roster. So... Why would you take him? So why not leave him off of the 40-man and put him out there? Even if somebody takes mm-hmm. him, doesn't add him to the big league roster, he's yours again. So what are you worried about? Exactly. I, a Romano, he'll make a roster. Okay, so, he will. So especially for a team that's rebuilding. You see the White Sox pick up Romano, no problem, I bet. Somebody like that, or even Baltimore. Like, can you imagine? Oh. Right? Like, that's that's what I'm saying. Baltimore could restock their prospects because of the Jays. That's terrible. They're in the same division, for God's sake. Like, that is that is a risk. And, and boy, it's going to be interesting at the Rule 5 draft. And you're, normally, I turn off all coverage for the winter meetings once the Rule, tri- Rule 5 draft starts. But <laughs> this one, I actually want to hear. <laughs> I, I certainly hope that they do not lose Romano uh, and Forrest Wall. That's for sure. I, I mean, Pentecost, you have a lot of risk. You have McGuire and Jansen up in the big leagues already. Yeah, I think you're fine with the catching for now. But I mean, I don't want to lose well, Forrest and, Wall. And Pentecost has done absolutely nothing for us, right? And no, I get that. Yeah. So for him to be left a little exposed, that's okay. But I just think that you're really risking Romano and you're really risking. Uh, even um, walls. So, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. 
it, it's a it's an interesting interesting move one i'm not really sure about but hey i'm not the gm so moving on the two former jays vernon wells and roy halliday were added to the hall of fame ballot yes this week uh i can see halliday getting in at some point if it's not this year it'll be next year for sure in my mind i don't know if vernon wells (laughs) gets in Halliday, um, Halliday is for sure a first ballot, and well, I don't know about for sure, but he's pr- probably as sure you're going to get. The, the, especially this year, when you only see that the other other first ballot Hall of Famer on there might be Mariano Rivera. I don't think there's anybody else on that ballot that even qualifies to, to do that. So, so in that yeah. sense, I think Halliday's got a great shot this year. I don't. The ballot's not that strong, and uh, not to say that he wouldn't, even if it was, but. Um, but I think he's certainly got a good shot of being a first balloter this year. Fonz, Clemens, they getting in this year or no? No. Well, how many years have they got left on the ballot? Oh, I don't know. Well, you should figure that out like in six? your research, Dylan. But I think you're I, I think you're right. I think uh I think there's probably another year or two, but I but either way I don't think Well they're running out of time. I mean they've got they are, four yeah. years left on the ballot. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's been six. Um, final topic. Hey, um, I didn't get to talk about Vernon Wells. You really want to talk about Vernon? <laughs> if you want to, I'll leave you the floor. You know what? He's a he's a he's a franchise player, and or at least was for a little bit, and and uh, good on him for at least making the ballot. And that's what we'll uh, we'll say. It's an honor to be nominated. Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, latest offseason rumblings. Jeff Mathis got signed by the Rangers. He led all catchers in defensive run saved. Yep. Last season. Um, Mathis played for the Jays for a short time. He's yes. a good catcher. I mean, he's, you're going to get nothing, and I mean nothing, out of that bat. But still. <laughs> um, it's true. Kirk. But you get no, nothing out of mine either, so. But uh, but you're right. I mean, that's... that's why you're not a professional catcher. No, that's why I sit here and try to express my opinion to other people. But uh, <laughs> but it's it's true. I mean, it, you're not going to get much out of that bat, but you will get the defense. And you know, but how old is he? Like, I mean, really? Oh, I don't know. Uh, but that's why he's going to the Rangers because it's the Rangers. Kurt Suzuki <laughs> led all catchers in slugging percentage last year. With the Braves, he is going to be a Washington National for the next two years, unless they trade him. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzuki played for the Nationals once already in his career. It kind of it kind of surprised me to see that he was going to go to Washington, but and again, I think he can make a difference there, and I think it's a good pickup. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know what Washington's doing to be honest, but uh, uh, but well, at the same time, Harper back. Well, they're not. No, no, I don't think so. Anyway, uh, it'd, be, it'd be a big shock if they did. But, uh, but, but again, I don't know what to expect from the Nationals this off season. So, so something like this move doesn't really surprise me. Uh Steve Pierce, the World Series MVP, and David Freeze, who played for the Dodgers, who also made it to the World Series, uh, both resigned on one-year deals with their clubs. A little bit surprised that Pierce got a one-year deal. Freeze, it didn't really surprise me. Uh, I'm not World Series MVP. Uh, he's gonna. It's one of those past past uh, experiences has gotten you your future deal, and that's okay because it's not a long one. If I'm the Red Sox, I make the same deal. Good uh, bench player, potentially even a, a 
sort of a platoon guy. I I I, uh, I don't mind the deal at all. Okay. Um, Phillies were reported to say that they're ready. Well, actually, they're not reported to say. They're one of their owners said in a press conference that they're ready to spend big if it comes to it. So, does that further our prediction of them getting Bryce Harper? He said he's willing to spend irresponsibly. So yes, I, uh, I, I. If that's the case, and that's something he's going to do, then, uh, then yeah, I see Harper going there potentially, even if it's not really the place he wants to go, which I'm not sure it is. But, um, but I think that there's a good chance he'll go because it sounds like the dollar figures may be there. So, um, reports seem to suggest that the Yankees are in hot pursuit of Manny Machado. Do I understand this? Not at all. What are you going to do with him? Gregorius is down for a year. I get that. You need a shortstop. But, I mean, what do you do when Gregorius gets back? What did I teach you about yelling at people who are not here to defend themselves, Dylan? Nothing. (laughs) Oh, thanks for throwing me under the bus. That's awesome. No Uh, problem. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's good. Uh... What are you doing? You're you're still putting it out there because you don't rule anything out at this point. Look, it's not Machado, even Machado, Machado wants a long-term deal. Gregorius is a tremendous shortstop. He's only going to be down for one year. Machado wants a 10-year deal. What are you going to do? Uh, you're not going to give him a 10-year deal. That's for I sure. I just don't see Cashman's logic. Well, you're not giving if him... You're, if, if you're actually going to pursue Machado, what do you do with Gregorius when he gets back? Yeah, well, and that's it. I, I, you're not giving Machado a, a ten-year. I wouldn't give that guy a ten-minute deal, but that's just me, right? But, but ten years, even Brian Cashman's not going to do that. Listen, Brian Cashman has been in this business for a long, long time. He's smarter than that, but he has to say these types of things, especially at the beginning of December when the off-season, hot stove season is just getting started. You keep all your options open because you never know. Nobody thought they were going to get Giancarlo Stanton, and boom, he did it. So, you know, it's you never, never know, with the Yankees especially. And finally, um, it was reported this week by, I want to say, Ken Rosenthal, that there was a deal being discussed between the Mariners and the Padres involving Gene Segura and Will Myers. It was reported that Segura, the Mariners' shortstop, could be on his way to San Diego should this deal take place, and the uh, Padres' new left fielder, as they signed Eric Hosmer, could be on his way to Seattle. What do you make of this deal? Uh, nothing, because it hasn't happened. But I, uh, I do uh, I think it's a good deal for all involved if it's made. Seattle. I mean, if Seattle makes this deal, we got another Seattle topic to talk yeah, about next true. week. Thank you, Seattle. But Seattle has indicated that they may want to break things down and, and try to, to to back out of their con- current competitive window. And if that's the case, then I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see them do anything. Okay, so this has been episode five of Two Elevens Baseball Talk. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Two Eleven Sports. That is number two, number one, number one sports. Go visit our website at sites.google.com slash view slash 211 sports. Again, number two, number one, number one sports. For Chris Baker, this is Dylan Baker signing off. We'll see you guys. Thanks for spending $39.